Well, good morning, good day, good evening. Uh, my name is Jill, and these are Jill's Journals Out Loud. And I'm laughing because the minute I sat down to record this, the dog decided she needed to eat and drink. So I'm like, okay, I'll go look at what pictures I have that I can use for the uh, the title. And I have this picture where she was sitting on me while I was trying to journal. <laughs> ah, welcome to my world, right? Puppies are awesome. So let's just start over. Uh, my name is Jill, and these are Jill's Journals Out Loud. And I'm recording this on Sunday. It's like 3.15 my time. Uh, you know, there's crazy wind outside. I noticed the crappy microphone I'm using actually cancels the wind better than the better microphone. And uh, I have to run out of here early in the morning, so I'm recording this. I don't like to do them too far ahead because there's so many things happening out in the world. But I wanted to get this done because uh, I don't know where you are right now, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about where we are, many of us, right now. And before I do that, uh, I just want to begin with, you know, last week I spent all three episodes, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, talking about uh, the serial killer, the, the psychopaths that are running everything. Uh, and the realities of what that means to us at a level of country and what it means to us in a practical way, face-to-face. And if you didn't pick this up, I'm just going to throw it out there. On the Friday one for subscribers, if you understand what's happening one-on-one, then you can understand what's happening at the macro. Because remember, the micro and the macro are always the same thing. And so sometimes it's easy to dismiss these ideas when they're little, but it's easier to understand them when it's a one-on-one concept. But if you can step back, it is that same exchange that's happening, uh, that power struggle or questioning of the power... (laughs) Now she has to bring her bone up here to where the microphone is. (sighs) Anyways, so it is a uh, representation of what's real, if it's happening to you on a one-on-one basis. But if you haven't listened to it or you want to listen to it again, I would suggest you think about what's happening at the macro level. And it's basically the same thing. It's a testing and a pushing of boundaries not in an aggressive fight way, but in a very subtle way. So I just wanted to throw that out there. <sighs> We're going to try to focus. And uh, one of the issues I'm having right now and all day and recently is I am trying to make the decision about where to move to. I don't want to, I can't stay where I'm at. I'm just in a temporary parked spot. If you first time, just as a quick catch up, uh, I'm up in uh, the high mountain plateaus of New Mexico, kind of on the west central area. I had a place to stay. I got kicked out. I got kicked out again. I got quickly, you know, dumped my trailer on someone else's property, ran away to Yuma in the the south to stay warm. I've been back about two weeks now, and it's time to figure out the mud is finally going to start to dry, so maybe I can think about going somewhere and figure out where I want to go from here. And so I must have changed my mind like seven times in the last 48 hours because... I had talked to you all about, you know, being tired of the constant fear, fear, fear input factors, right? That it's time to tone that down and to refocus. But I had another experience uh, on Friday where another great big fear, uh, 
uh, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, you know, dart on the, the bullseye board is for tomorrow, uh, Monday, March 6th. And there are rumors flying that everybody uh, in places, in positions of power, government, uh, governors, senators and such are all being taken to their underground bunkers today. And so, you know, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it's real. I don't know what that means. Uh, You know, I was thinking that it's starting to feel a lot like when, uh, and I didn't know this, but like when you get captured in the Middle East and before they cut your head off, they actually go through the, uh, the physical scenario like 40 or 50 times. They take the prisoners out. Uh, they bring them to where the execution would be, and then they don't do anything. And they repeat that over and over and over again so that the day they're actually going to execute them, there's no reaction because it just feels like one more day that you're being walked through this process. So it's it's a way of keeping people really off balance, but it's also a way of uh, keeping people from knowing what's really happening. Uh, You know, cult leaders do that. Uh, Jim Jones with the Kool-Aid, right? They actually went through that Kool-Aid ceremony drinking many, many, many times, not knowing that that was the time that there was uh, poison. And And so people say, why would they do that? Well, because if you're smart, you don't, uh, you don't just do it the scary thing once you put people through the process over and over and over again you create the fear scenario and then nothing happens and it becomes the boy who cried wolf and so you may go through the motions you may say oh, okay well maybe I'll run out and get some gas or whatever but there's a part of you that is disengaging because you've already jumped through that hoop 50 times uh, and so you know I'm recognizing that and I'm thinking I don't want to play this game anymore because when it happens it happens, but as I'm trying to make some kind of decision about where to go, how I want to live, you know, we've, t- we've all talked about this repeatedly, it's so frustrating that even having to factor in these ideas into the decision-making process about what possible future might unfold And how do I want to create that? Where is a safe place to go? And so one of the things I have learned, you know, since I came back is that, and I've noticed this, you know, I've spent two years now, you know, in and out of several kind of off-grid communities. And what they really tend to be, at least for me in Arizona, New Mexico, you know, what I've seen is that they used to be great big ranches and then they got divided up. Uh, I've lived in... Uh, I guess three different versions of this now, where they're divided up into small. Uh, I was in one where they were from half acres uh, on up into acres. Uh, and here they tend to be into two and a half to five acre parcels. And so, and the land is cheap. It's not expensive land comparatively, although it has gone up quite a bit. And bec- and I'm fascinated because I did a lot of research, you know, in terms of 
the tax sales because sometimes you can pick where I was in Arizona. I wish I could have stayed there. They were getting an acre for $300 because, you know, right place, right time. And so there's really still ways to kind of sneak in and get cheap properties. And so what was fascinating to me is that all of these properties are sold. There's people from all over the world that buy sight unseen these chunks of land with no awareness about what it's like or whether you can even build or live. Where I was in Arizona especially, some of them were so covered with lava rocks, the kind that can't be moved, the kind that you can't walk or drive over because they were so pointed. I mean, it would be, well, I guess, I don't even know, I guess you could pour cement, you know, up over them, maybe something like that. But they were just inhospitable, but people would buy them having no understanding of what's available. But what's happening, and it's happening there, as I was driving back from Arizona, the southern Arizona, I could see how many more people have put in uh, RVs and trailers and houses. In fact, one of them was on the cliff, and it was this short cliff part that was next to the highway and there was these two long rvs that were parked in the you know front to back on the short spot and i'm like i don't know how to describe it to you but it was like i i don't even know how you would get them there i'm fascinated how people get their vehicles onto different properties because you can hardly walk onto some of these properties much less park a large gangly vehicle and so since I've been back here, there's a lot more people here. And I've been told there's a lot more coming. And what just happened uh, the other day is someone told me that uh, somebody died. They found him uh, naked and exposed, but he had a few pieces of clothes on, but his pants were pulled down and he was you know, no shirt. And so they don't know if he got hypothermia. I've heard there's multiple stories. So I don't know what the real story is, but he's dead. And he was theoretically uh, looking for the RV that was on the property that he and his family were supposed to be moving into. And uh, it's really cold up here. And there's been, uh, you know, pretty bad weather. And I'm actually kind of shocked that some of the people who were here when I left are still here. (laughs) Some of the things I've heard in terms of being unprepared. And it's, you know, you people don't know what they're getting into. Uh, and the other thing that was been really striking to me about these off-grid communities is that, you know, so many of us ran away from the urban centers to get to the rural communities. And what I'm noticing in these off-grid communities is the same kind of people that you would run away from are moving here because the land is cheap. But you get people from all walks of life, all value systems, all different cultural perspectives, beliefs, things like that. And uh, and I've become, you know, acutely aware that that, that isn't going to work, I don't think, in the long run. Uh, because it's just, you know, when you've got criminals living next door, uh, you know, that's not who I want to count on when things go bad. You know, it might be fine while everybody's happy, but the range of value systems that are coming into these areas, it's sort of defeating the whole purpose. And so uh, I'm 
you know, between that and struggling with the physical limitations I have, you know, to live this way now, uh, it's really kind of like shattered my whole what's coming down the pike, what future do we want to build, and what's real. You know, I know I don't want to be in a, you know, high-density city, but it's really an interesting phenomenon that uh, what we thought we were creating is morphing into something else. And I say that because even, you know, with this terrifying fear of something bad someday is going to happen, the uncertainty to everything is so vast, it's incredibly unnerving. And you don't have to be it doesn't matter who you are, if you're a wire for danger person, if you're a freeze person, if you're a flight person, right? Constant and chronic uncertainty with an endless questioning of your decisions is exhausting. And so, you know, I admire people who have picked, who've hunkered down and they've committed. I think it's harder for those of us who are still kind of floating around with, well, you know, someday I'll make a decision to go someplace. Uh, someday I'll find the right place for me. And, uh, and I really, at my heart's core, believe when things get really, really ugly, then everybody's going to have to get up and walk away. That's why I focused on that just walk away. I think almost everybody will have to do some adjustments to their living situation, whether they believe that or not at a practical level. Now, I'm happy to be wrong. I don't know. But but just in a reality check kind of way, I don't see anybody being able to hunker down 100% uh, without some radical shifts in the way that we understand how to live together. And so... Uh, so anyway, so that's kind of all been, you know, percolating with me quite a bit this last week while I'm thinking, you know, okay, finally the mud is drying. So finally I can get out of here and long enough to maybe start going and looking. And all I do is keep changing my mind about what it is I'm looking for because it's back to that analogy I gave to you. It's like being in the pinball machine, right? Where every time you make a decision... Uh, the pinball machine, you know, jerks you off in another direction. And so that's a great big old long intro to uh, where I wanted to go with that. And I, I have spent uh, the last two days listening or re-listening to, uh, you know, the, the kind of podcast that calms me down. It, you know, it talks about the deeper meaning. It talks about kind of what's on the other side. And I don't know if any of that's true or not, but it helps remind me that it's not set in stone and there's a lot of wiggle room in everything that's coming down in the pike. And, and so I wanted to just get back to that with you also because I can't predict the future any more than anybody can because everybody is right and everybody is wrong, right? Some people get it right sometimes, but nobody really can know the future because there is no fixed future there's a pretty likely probability that things are going to get crappier. I don't know how they can't, but there's no single person that can magically know everything for sure because we are influencing it constantly. It's in a constant state of change. 
And, you know, that's that kind of walk away, adapt mentality that allows you to manage whatever comes down the pike. And so uh, I just wanted to kind of bring us back there because as things are escalating, you know, the tensions are rising. We've got so many bad things happening. Uh, On a good day, there's a million bad things happening. And so when you get information that's... um, oh, maybe this is the bad thing or one of the big bad things. It just sort of heightens the tension around kind of waiting to see is that the real hope and goal and focus that I'm trying to do with all of us isn't to name the bad thing and to brace for it or to name the bad thing and or the future or the unknown so that we understand what's happening and we can adapt to whatever it is. But rather, you know, one of the reasons I'm talking so much about this push-pull-pause energetic system is then it doesn't matter what happens because you are increasing your capacity to manage yourself within all of these processes. So, uh, you know, I've been really agitated this morning. Uh, I don't even, you know, I don't even know why. And I, I was sitting outside, you know, trying to do the breathing and the grounding thing. And I, <laughs> and it's cold and it's windy. And I know she was so good at sleeping. So the minute I decide I need to talk to you guys, she's all dog in my face all the time. And, uh, and I was sitting in the chair outside and, uh, you know, I've got boots that have rubber feet and the chair isn't conductive to the ground and the ground is cold and I'm not going barefoot. And I'm like, how am I supposed to ground when... It's cold and everything I own has rubber on the bottom of it. So I came up with a good idea. I'm going to pass this on to you. I haven't like made my little staff, but, uh, and I couldn't of course find the 8 million metal poles I have everywhere, like crowbars and uh, rebar and things like that. But while I was sitting in the chair, I found a piece of metal and I can put, I could sit and put that piece of metal in the ground And then just hold on to it with my hand to initiate the grounding process. Because, uh, you know, the purpose of grounding is to discharge those positive ions, which the wind kicks up in you and aggravation kicks up in you. uh, And the human body functions uh, best when it's more negative ions, which is, I know, it seems counterintuitive. But so you want to discharge the positive ions. And I thought that was such a good idea. I wanted to pass that on to you because when it's cold, you can't really go barefoot. And I was trying to lean over and I don't want to put my hand in the mud. Well, this is stupid. So it worked really well. So if you have something copper, copper is the most conductive, I have some somewhere, is to put that in the ground and then just hold on to it, you can create that grounding connection in a way that works when it's freaking cold and windy and terrible outside where you don't really want to put, you know, naked body parts on the ground itself. So uh, I was taking my own advice today. I was doing my breathing and I was sitting in the sun and uh, you know, watching her run around, and and then I held on to the uh, the metal, and I could really feel the difference in that process. I have uh, knocked it down quite a few notches since where I was this morning. So I wanted to pass that on because I thought that was an excellent idea. So just so you know, I do walk my talk. I do try to implement these things when they are affecting me. 
But I wanted to just reiterate here on the brink of yet another one of those, who knows, maybe highly catastrophic Monday mornings or the week of or next week, I don't know, is that part of the game is to keep us off balance and in fear and uncertain. And so the confidence comes, uh, the ability to manage the certainty comes not from knowing what's going to happen and deciding whether you can deal with it, but the confidence comes in the ability to understand that you can deal with your own energy systems and reactions regardless of what happens. So, you know, there's so many things that we can't control. And, uh, you know, one, like I said, it's been fascinating watching uh, best laid plans, all this, you know, time, money, and energy invested in uh, a homestead. And then, you know, who, look who just moved in next door. So there's just a million things we can't control to these processes. Uh, you know, there's a million things that are in fluid motion and are flexible in terms of what's coming down the pike. And uh, there's only a few things we can do in response to it. So I think it's the power of remembering that we have the ability to manage ourselves effectively, not to be perfect. You know, I don't know why I was all off this morning. Uh, sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. I don't really understand what's happening right now to me. All I can do is manage it, hopefully out of earshot of everybody else. That's one of my criteria. <laughs> Nobody can hear me. Neither can be able to hear me uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. But just doing the breathing, uh, you know, trying to remember, doing the journaling, all these little tiny things. You know, our power really lies in our 24-hour day, how we spend that time uh, and where we invest that time and that energy. And, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons I like to listen to this one uh, podcast series because it doesn't matter if it's true or not. They paint a vision of the future that I can live with and that I agree with that calms me down because I remember that it's a possibility versus, you know, this endless yelling about all the terrible things that are going to happen in the future that are impossible to contend with. Uh, and you don't know what's going to happen until it's there. And you're always going to do the best you can, just like everybody else. But what's you know most important is our adaptability, our, our ability to move the energy around. The more rigid we are in all of this, the more difficult it will be. And that's the power of this push-pull-pause process is that all of this is wildly stressful. So understanding ourselves and our stress response, how it works for us, how it works against us, I don't think can be something that we uh, remind ourselves in this moment in time often enough because it's very easy to fixate on what the, th the bad thing we're afraid of will happen. You know that pit in your stomach when you think you're going to lose your job or someone's going to break up with you and you're terrified, right? Because you've thought about it and you're like, oh, this is, what am I going to do? This is unbearable. And if you're old enough, you can look back over the course of your life and realize, well, it sucked, but 
I moved through it, everything changed and became better or okay, or, you know, I grieved or I let go or I moved or I got a new job or whatever. But it's that anticipation that is almost unbearable. Uh, And part of the beauty of getting older is the realization that you've already made it through quite a bit. So you know you can make it through quite a bit. And I'm just hoping to be able to give you tools to understand who you are within all of this, to be, uh, to feel, to, to allow it to help calm you down just a little bit, to use the tools to take the edge off when there's just one more terrible thing, you know, being dangled in front of us. I, uh, before I recorded this, I just took a brief look at the headlines to see if any new fabulous horrible thing had happened and just looking at everything that's out there uh, oh god you know can we take any more can we stand any more pressure of all the terrible things coming down the pike so it was a good time i thought to remind ourselves as yet again today monday march 6th is the one of those d days that's rumbling under the currents of Oh, all the political leaders have been evacuated. What could possibly go on in America that would require the relocation of all the governors and the senators and the Congress people? And I love how they think those are the people that we need to have uh, kept going. (laughs) I think we'd all do a lot better if they just never came out of the bunkers and left us alone and we could all function like normal human beings. Maybe that's the big secret. We lock them in the bunkers and then... We don't have to worry about them anymore because they won't enforce all these ridiculous rules. We can just go about our lives <laughs> and think about that. That might be the way out. Find the bunkers. Let's lock them in the bunkers. So it's, uh, but we're in one of those critical points where it's in the ethers. I can feel the anxiety in the ethers. I don't feel the reality that something's happening, but I also don't trust myself anymore with that kind of thing. So Uh, But I feel very aware of it. So I wanted to touch base. I don't want to talk forever because I don't want to beat this drum for too long. I just want to remind ourselves that no matter what plans we have made to prepare, no matter what plans we're trying to make for a future that we can't see or understand, the most powerful thing we have in this process is just our ability to manage and adapt and stay flexible through it. And that's really this working with our own push-pull pause, using that as a superpower as opposed to having it push-pull and pause us uh, by someone else pulling our strings. I guess that's the visual, right? So you're either the puppet, uh, you know, in the basement while the serial killer is pulling the strings or... You're running around in the basement, able to stay out of the way of the serial killer because you're in charge of your own energy and your own reactions and your own processes that you can get that little nudge of intuition. You can pay attention to that little signal that says step back when it's time to step back, step forward when it's time to step back forward. And to me, that's the way it works. It's very subtle. It's very slip slide. Uh, This whole process, you know, when I've been out and about for the last, ugh, I'm going on 12 years here. It's always been fascinating to me where, you know, I'm in this situation repeatedly of not knowing where I'm going to live, but there's never been a time where something didn't come through and 
99% of the time when it's in a crunch, I just have to step out into the void and something will come up under my foot. But it's terrifying because I just never know. And, you know, I'm not under any pressure to get out. I'm not in any kind of crisis situation other than... Uh, who the hell knows what's going on up here? Something nefarious is happening. Uh, and it's not my place. It's, and I know I don't want to be this high and I don't want to be this cold and I don't want to be this remote anymore. So we're just going to do some breathing. Uh, I'm excited about my new way to get some extra grounding in. And with that, my friends, I'm going to leave you on this Monday and hope that when you're listening to it, all is well or that I got it up, or that the internet is still working. <laughs> I know it's funny, but it's not funny, because one of these days I assume it's going to just not work for any of us. But we will deal with that when that happens. For now and for today, I'm just going to take one more deep breath, and hopefully I will see you next time. <laughs>